why the earth is not billions of years old and how science cannot prove that. Christian outlook brings you this uh, recording. Here we go. Science proven millions of years with things like radiometric dating and distant starlight and rock layers, etc., etc. Short answer is no. Please bear in mind you cannot scientifically prove millions of years. Why? Because you cannot observe or repeat millions of years in a laboratory. But the more fully graspable what I'm saying here, let's define what we mean by the word science. Because the word science comes from two Latin words means to know or to gain knowledge. And for most of us, when we think of the word science, we think of the scientific method, right? A method that we use to accumulate knowledge and then make stuff or do stuff. But that can really be broken out into two very different distinct categories about how we accumulate this knowledge. And the first category would be this, something some would call observational or operational or experimental science. I sometimes call this here and now science, like a friend of mine says. This type of science is what we think of when we say the word science. It's done in the present. It's observable, testable, repeatable, and falsifiable. And actually, it's only possible because the Bible is true. But think about, you know, as an example, someone in a laboratory, they mix chemical A with chemical B, give result C, and they repeat the process. And they accumulate knowledge and then use that knowledge to have dominion of our world and use it for God's glory and man's good, hopefully. And through this sort of science, we have amazing technologies and smartphones and computers and satellites and medicines. No conflict whatsoever between operational science and the Bible. Actually, pretty much every major branch of modern day science was started by a Bible-believing Christian. It's true. These guys recognize that we can and should do science because the biblical worldview is true. It only makes sense within the biblical worldview. But guys, here's the key. This is really important to grab a hold of. You see, operation does not explain origination. Origination, where something comes from, that's more of a historical question. And that's a different process with different parameters around it. Because here's the thing, when you're doing historical science or origin science, this type of science is very, very, very different from operational science. Why? Well, because you're trying to figure out what happened in the unseen past. But the past, it's gone. Watch this. The past is not observable testable, repeatable, or falsifiable. This makes historical science very different than operational science. You see, with historical science, you got to do this. You got to interpret present-day clues with a worldview set of assumptions about the unseen past, built on one of two major foundations, God's word or... And guys, here is the key. This is simple, but it is profound. Here's the key. If you start with the wrong assumptions, you'll most likely get the wrong conclusions. And this is why some really smart secular scientists can be so wrong about particular things like the age of the earth and rock layers and dinosaurs, etc. Why? They're starting with the wrong assumptions about the unseen past. They're trusting man's ideas over God's clear, revealed word about history. Wrong assumptions, wrong conclusions. So with that in mind, let me show you where the idea of millions of years actually originated from, this textbook says this, that before radiometric dating was available, many people thought the earth was just thousands of years old. It's true. But then in the late 1700s, James Hutton. Did you realize, and this is a radical thought for most people today, that up until the early 1800s, essentially, most scientists believed the Bible and thought the earth was only thousands of years old. It's true. So what did they discover that particular time to change their minds 
reject the Bible, instead believe in millions of years. What did they find? I'll give you some hints. They did not find any new rocks or any new fossils. They had the same rocks and the same fossils. It was not radiometric dating that changed their minds. That comes in the early 1900s and is wildly inconsistent. So what did they find to change their minds? The answer is nothing, at least nothing tangible. But what they did find was a new world view, a new way to interpret the same old evidence. We continue in the textbook. But in the 1700s, James Hutton estimated the earth was much older. He used the principle of uniformitarianism. Big word, bold print, that'll be on the test. And this principle states that the earth processes occurring today are similar to those that occurred in the past. In other words, the way things happen now long, slow, gradual, natural processes only, is the way it's always happened in the unseen past. And he observed that the processes that changed the rocks and land around him were very slow. So he inferred, another good word there might be assumed, they've been just as slow throughout Earth's history. He then hypothesized, another good word for that would be guessed. It took much longer than a few thousand years to form layers of rock and to erode the mountains around him. So guys, please notice Hudson got his conclusion of millions of years. Watch this, not based on any new evidence. He had the same rocks and the same fossils, but he had a different interpretation based on different worldview that started with the assumption that God's word, a supernatural creation, global flood, that history is wrong, and that man's ideas about the past are better starting points. Based on the principle of uniformitarianism, that the present is the key to the past. The way things happen now, long, slow, gradual, natural processes only is the way it's always happened in the unseen past. And guys, that fundamental assumption is based in the worldview, the religion of naturalism, humanism, atheism, which basically says matters all that exists and you can and must explain all things through only natural processes. And these are religious assumptions. He was not being neutral. Neutrality is impossible. Either God's word is true or it's not. Either you stand on God's word or you trust in man's ideas. There is no such thing as neutrality in notice. Religion wasn't kicked out of science at this point. It was just changed to a different religion. Naturalism, humanism became the new dominant religion. And his work had a huge influence on a guy named Charles Lyell, who became the father of modern-day geology. And Lyell applied uniformitarianism to the rock layers and fossils, and he basically argued, we don't need Noah's flood to explain all the rock layers and all the fossils. He said, we can explain all those rock layers and all those fossils with only, and all the canyons, with only natural processes. If we just give those natural processes enough time. Same basic ideology based on a naturalistic worldview. And what was his motivation, similar to Hutton's, in this shift away from God's word to man's word being the foundation for our understanding of history? Well, I also said it well in a letter to a friend. His goal was to free science from Moses. Get God out of science. Because ultimately, we must really realize this. Ultimately, this is not a head issue. It's a heart issue. We see this shift starting really in a powerful way in the modern era, in the late 1700s, early 1800s, away from God's word. Hutton causes many to doubt the need for a creator and a creation roughly 6,000 years ago, based on naturalistic ideology. Lyell applies it to geology it causes people to doubt the need for a global flood as described in Genesis 6 through 9. And then along came another guy. And this guy loved Charles Lyell's work. And he loved the idea of uniformitarianism. And this guy had dropped out of medical school. He was actually in school to become a clergyman. But before kind of finalizing that, this guy took a trip on the Beagle as a naturalist and saw the Galapagos Islands and many other things. And he took Lyell's book with him and he applied uniformitarianism to biology. And who was that man? 
You probably guessed it, Charles Darwin. And Darwin argued, we don't need a creator to explain the diversity of life, just give natural processes enough time. And we see kind of this clear progressive rejection of God's word on all things historical, especially about origins. And now it's the point today where pretty much in every, in every scientific field, the secular mindset dominates and the secular worldview has permeated and dominates every scientific field. And they look at all things through that naturalistic lens. I can show you a thousand quotes like this one here, a couple of quick ones. Dr. Scott Todd put it like this from Kansas State University. He said, even if all the data, all of it, pointed to an intelligent designer, if it all pointed to God, such a guess is excluded from science. Why? It's not naturalistic. Or this famous Harvard geneticist put it like this. It's not that science compels us to believe in materialism, naturalism, atheism. Rather, it's our prior commitment to materialistic causes that lead to materialistic explanations. This materialism, bottom sentence, is absolute. Why? We cannot allow a divine foot in the door. Not a head issue, say heart issue. Putting all this together, we really see this foundational shift. Starting in the 1800s, away from God's word to man's word as the ultimate authority. And now that secular ideology dominates the scientific community today. Day. They have in a sense have been brainwashed with that worldview about the past. And so guys, we should not be surprised that secular scientists get such radically different conclusions about the unseen past and the age of the earth, etc. They're starting with radically different starting assumptions about the unseen past. They're trusting man's ideas. We should be trusting God's word. All secular dating methods are based on observations in the present and assumptions about the past. Nothing comes with a label on it. Radioisotopes don't have a label. Rock layers, bones don't come with labels. You must interpret them with a worldview. And again, wrong assumptions, wrong conclusions. And this is why the secularists are so wrong on these issues. Notice the secularists, before they engage the evidence, they assume the Bible's history is not true. They assume there was no supernatural creation. There was no global flood. They explain only things with only natural processes before they engage the evidence. They're not being neutral. Even if radiometric dating worked perfectly, it would not prove millions of years because of the faulty secular assumptions that drive their wrong interpretations. But guys, this is the opposite of perfect. I can show you hundreds of examples of the inconsistencies of radiometric dating. Here are a few good quick examples for the sake of time. Using carbon-14 dating, part of a mammoth was dated to be 29,000 years old. Another part of the same mammoth dated to be 44,000 years old. And that is a very slow birth. Freshly killed seals dated over 1,300 years of age with carbon-14 dating. That's off by more than 1,000%. A look at other dating methods like potassium-argon dating. This was often used to date igneous rocks. And that's lava flows that have occurred, they cooled and turned into stone. And this one is a good one to test. Why? Well, because we know when in history, when certain lava flows occurred, when they cooled and turned into stone. So we can date those rocks of historical known age with the method to see if it's somewhat accurate. Here are a few examples. I could show you literally hundreds if time permitted. For example, rocks have formed back in 1972. Lava flows occurred, cooled, we saw it, we recorded it. The rocks formed in 1972. They were dated with potassium-argon dating to be 210,000 to 490,000 years old. Actual known age at the time they were dated was roughly 30. Rocks that formed back in 1954 over in New Zealand were dated between 3.3 and 3.7 million years old. Actual age at the time of the dating was around 50. 
Rocks have formed back in 1959 over in Hawaii, were dated between 1 and 15 million years of age. Actual known age was roughly 40, and notice the huge margin of error. Or maybe you remember Mount St. Helens erupting back in 1980. And from that eruption, rocks formed, and subsequent eruptions that these rocks formed back in 1980 and past that. Those rocks were dated with potassium argon dating to be roughly 340,000 to 2.8 million years old. Now, notice that's a 700% margin of error. And also realize that if you can remember that event, you must be older than you thought you were. All right. These rocks were actually 12 years old when they were dated. And I could just go on and on and on. And then on top of this, did you realize that pretty much the large, the vast majority of dating methods, watch this, even using the secularist own assumptions of uniformitarianism and naturalism still confirm a very young earth consistent with the biblical worldview and impossible for evolution. A few examples of this. Comments are big, muddy snowballs out in space. Even the biggest comets with the longest orbit shouldn't last more than 100,000 years. Okay, well then the question then comes, why are comets still literally everywhere? Because according to secular thinking, comets formed with our solar system roughly 4.5 billion years ago, and guys, there is no observed source of replenishment. They should have been gone a long time ago, yet they're still all over the place. Makes sense in the biblical worldview, does not make sense in evolutionary thinking. Or the moon. We are losing the moon around two inches per year due to tidal friction and other issues. Now, if the moon is moving away from us, that means in the past it used to be closer, right? Now, if you go back a few million years in time, the moon will be so close to the earth, it will destroy the earth twice a day. I think once would be enough, right? And you go back around a billion years ago, the moon will run into the earth. But a few thousand years will be no problem whatsoever. Or the earth's magnetic field, we've measured this consistently for the past 150 years all over the globe. One of the best dating methods you could possibly use. It's decreased by 10% over the past 150 years. Now, if it's decreasing in strength, that means in the past it used to be stronger. Now, if you do the calculations, apply this and go backwards in time, roughly 7,000 years ago, it would be roughly 32 times stronger than it is today, which would be most likely good for us for a whole bunch of reasons. But keep going back in time, do the exponential increase, and a million years ago, the magnetic field would be so strong, it would vaporize the Earth. And I'm pretty sure that would be bad, right? Or the Great Barrier Reef, Australia, part of this was destroyed back in World War II, and some scientists watched that reef grow back for 20 years, which had to be boring, all right? But it grew back actually so quickly, they said, wow, at this quick rate of growth, this entire reef, based on this rate we observe today, could have grown in less 4,200 years. Huh. Why is the largest coral reef in the world plausibly only 4,200 years of age? I got a theory about that. I'll come back to it. Or the sequoias over in California. Maybe you've seen those before. Gorgeous, magnificent, majestic. It's an amazing thing to see if you get a chance to check those out someday. You really should. Uh, there's me and my wife over the sequoias. And then here's me being a tree hugger. That's as close as I get, by the way to be the tree hugger. But the sequoias are huge and they have no natural enemies except man and really huge natural catastrophes. Yet none of them, even by secular dating methods, are over 4,000 years of age. Why is that? Why are comets still around? Why is the magnetic field the strength that it's at right now? Why do we observe all these observations consistent with the biblical worldview? Around 6,000 years ago, God made everything, as his word clearly says. And around 44, 4,500 years ago, there was a global flood that wrecked this world, destroyed this world, and reset all those things. And then they began to form like deserts and reefs after the flood. And real science and real observations confirms that again and again and again and again. You see, the present 
is not the key to the past. You know what is? God's word. God's word is the key to the past, the present, and the future. God's word gets everything right. We can trust all that it says because it is perfect and infallible from our perfect infallible creator, God. And again, real science confirms this, but you won't hear about this. Why? Because the secularists must have their hero to save evolution from all this contrary evidence. Time is their hero. And guys, there's so many reasons squeezing millions of years into the Bible does not work. First, the text and grammatical structure of Genesis, it doesn't allow for millions of years. The biblical authors in Jesus don't allow for millions of years. The evidence rightly understood does not allow for millions of years. And guys, most importantly of all, the Bible's theology and the gospel indirectly does not allow for millions of years. You say, what do you mean? Well, follow me on this. This is so important. It was man's sin that brought death, the enemy, into God's perfect creation. See Genesis 3, Romans 5, 1 Corinthians 15, Revelation, etc. But here's the problem. If we try to squeeze millions of years into God's word, no matter how you try, hear me, you'll put death before sin. And death before sin is theologically impossible for a whole bunch of reasons. First, in Genesis 1, 29 and 30, in the original perfect creation, God told Adam and Eve they were to eat fruit, and the animals they were to eat plants. Originally, all things were vegetarian, which I know sounds weird to us today, but makes really good biblical sense because there was no death in this world until after Adam sinned, which means you can't eat meat until after they sinned. Originally, all things vegetarian. It's not until after the flood that God told Noah, just as they gave you plants to eat, now you can eat everything. So you can't eat filet mignon wrapped in bacon or whatever, okay? Post-flood. But why is this a problem? Here's why it's a problem. If we reject the clear biblical teaching and its implications that God made a perfect creation, but then man's sin bringing death and suffering into this world, and then there was a global flood that laid down most of the and fossils we see today, if you reject that and you instead embrace the secular idea that the rock layers and fossils, well, they were laid down slowly over millions of years by natural processes only before man ever existed and thus before sin. Well, in those rock layers supposedly laid down before man before sin, we find lots of evidence of animals eating each other. But the Bible says before man sinned, all things were vegetarian. We find diseases in the fossil record, things like brain tumors and cancer and arthritis, but before man sinned, we find that. The Bible says God looked down on day six before man sinned and called everything very good. Surely he would not call millions of years of death, suffering, bloodshed, cancer, coronavirus, very good, all right? If he did, he would not be a very good God. And guys, if this were true, it makes God the author of death and he used death as part of his creative process. That's not the biblical God. If there's death before sin, that would mean Death is not the consequence or the payment for sin. It's just always been part of God's original, very good creation. And if death is not the payment for sin, then Jesus' death cannot, does not pay for our sin debt. And we just annihilated the foundation for the gospel through Christ's atoning work on the cross, whether we meant to or not, and at best, at best, made this event in history unnecessary. So I'm so passionate about this particular idea. Again, it's not fundamentally about winning a debate about the earth's age or the universe's age, rather defending biblical authority and the gospel rooted in that authority. It saddens me to say, but we have an ice of Jesus problem. We're trying to squeeze man's ideas into God's word. And it is about time that we recognize where the attack is happening today and stand firm on God's word from the very first verse. 
Let us echo what is said in Proverbs, that every word of God is pure. Don't add or take away from his words, lest he rebuke you. I love this verse I read the other day, Psalm 138 too, that God has exalted his name and his word above everything else. His word is perfect. And let us say with Joshua, let's choose this day whom we will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and trust in his word. Whose word do you trust? God's or man's? That's really what this is ultimately about.